When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey guys, this is Emil Heskey, and you're listening to the guys of Coppen Frackers. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Copper Frackers Powered, which is our media group. I'm your host Chris and joining me this week to talk about all things in Football Club, I have got Julian and Marco. Gentlemen, how are you doing on this quite cold, blustery, possibly rainy uh, November evening? No, I'm going to let Julian go first still. Well, <laughs> man is just tired from like, this work thing is long. Paying taxes is long. Bro. It's just ah, uh, bro. Everything is just long, and the, the, like as you said, the the days are getting just darker, bro. And it's like you leave home when it's dark, you come home when it's dark, and it's just mad raining. So yeah, man. But we gotta get some content out for for the for the listeners. So I'm I'm always here for that, man. Exactly, man. I mean, no matter what the scenario, no matter how we feel, cop and we always deliver every Wednesday morning. There's a fresh episode in your podcasting app so you know uh, if you want a little bit more of that content and uh, you know some of the hard work that we do then head over to the patreon page that is www.patreon.com forward slash copy and fracas uh, i've got a whole host of stuff coming up for this week and a whole host planned for the upcoming international break as well to keep your appetite wet pause for all mm-hmm. of your liverpool needs um so yeah man uh, just from three pound a month you get host to i think we've got about 150 posts on the page now, which is absolutely insane. Um, and there's a lot more 
fantastic stuff to come. So, yeah, head over to the Patreon page today. That is www.patreon.com forward slash Coffee and Fracas and subscribe from just £3 a month. Um, of course, there's a whole host of other things going on on the Twitter Media Group feed as well. Uh, Mugger will be interesting this week. Um, so that'll be a good one to look out for. Um, and of course, Touchline Hotspur, they'll have a special episode coming out this week with what's going on over there. So be on the lookout for that. I mean, Tobe's got his revenge, which was quite interesting mm-hmm. for the Antonio meme. Yeah, I'm happy for him still. Finally gets to use the move properly. He took it like a champ, man. And <laughs> he got he got the last laugh, which was the most important thing. So yeah, uh, just a whole host of exciting stuff. I mean, you got courtside popping off. You know, NBA season is back in full flow. So, yeah, man, there's just a whole host of fantastic stuff going up on the on social like media groups. So, so, check everything out on the feed. And, of course, check everything out on YouTube as well. Let's get stuck into it, boys. Um, very much was two points dropped at the end of the day. A very silly two points dropped, if you ask me. Uh, Liverpool 2, Brighton 2. And I want to get into the first half performance um, that the Reds had. They very clearly the better side throughout the vast majority of the first half. I thought Brighton showed glimpses of what they can do, especially on transition. Um, I'll get stuck into a little bit of Trossard later on. Uh, but I thought Basuma played really well first half and Wenpu played quite well too. But the Reds were by far and above the better team. Um, Mark, I'll start with you. The first goal from Henderson, it's it's a no-look finish from the edge of the box, which is interesting. <laughs> which yeah, is interesting. Um, and how do you feel like we performed after that first half? I mean, did it give you any kind of cause for concern about what was to come in the second half? Or, um, no, you know, so Brighton did have a couple inroads into our half in the first half, but it looks like it was comfortable once Salah cut in on his left foot and passed it to Henderson. I thought, yeah, we've got this wrapped up and this is going to be an easy win. Um, we then went on to make it 2 0. Um, and then you just start kind of, I guess, fantasising over another 5 nil, and expecting us to just coast for it. Um, and then I believe Salah gets the offside goal, which I believe we're going yeah, to so, about. So it, was the, so it was the... My placement might be off. So it was the Salah, was it the Salah goal in the first half and then the, Mar- um, the Mane goal. I remember, you know. <laughs> so, the, obviously, we had one of the two disallowed goals in the first half. So, yeah. you could, especially after that, you're thinking, oh, okay, cool. This is going to be, you know, we're going to push on now, get another comfortable win. Um, I just feel like we started off extremely well. Um, obviously, my boy Nabi in the middle, ticking it over until the injury. Like, <laughs> it's expected. Oh, we're, we're, we're going to get stuck into that, brother, later on. Pause. Um yeah, as expected, he just goes down with an injury. I thought it was going to be a reoccurrence of the ankle injury that kept him out, um, well, that took him out of the United game. But unfortunately, this is a whole new injury in his hamstring and he wasn't indicating anything to do with his hamstring prior to that. So it was a bit yeah. of a weird one for me. Um, then Ox came on and you could tell when Ox comes on, we tend to lose a bit of control. Um, I'm not into... If I am into bashing players, so bashing players pause, <laughs> but I don't like bashing players unprovoked. But yeah, once Ox comes into the pitch, you can tell them we're going to lose. Man, Ox shit, bro. Just say it, bro. You shit. Yeah, man. man. That, <laughs> he's just not the Ox of old. He 
doesn't seem like he's ever going to get back there. He's always at 100 miles an hour. And especially when you are looking to control a game, that's not somebody that you should possibly be bringing on to take the role of someone like Kato, who's more metronomical and who gives mm-hmm. them goals, more of a Thiago S, you touch, I touch kind of guy. Um, and can also be incisive. But shout out to Ox, that cross was absolutely amazing. Oh, it's brilliant. Cross and... I think That's I even tweeted out from the account when he when he when he came on. I thought uh, the, the ball in um, for for Mane's goal was you know it was sublime. Obviously, comes off that right. It's a fantastic ball in, and you're thinking, okay, this is exactly what you need, especially after a very uh, a toil that he had against Preston in the week where he was kind of the senior person within that midfield three. Even get okay, cool. This is the opportunity for you to go and really push on, but obviously, it's not aided by the fact that the midfield. As that free as it was, so obviously the midfield ended up being Henderson in the six, who, by all accounts, for first half was playing really well. Um, second half was a massive drop off. Pretty much everyone on the pitch, in all honesty, bar Marnea, who I can only, who's the only person I can really say kind of can hold his head in and say he could put in a real good shift. But obviously that midfield free ends up being Henderson in the six, Curtis Jones and Ox, which you know in terms of what you want to do and how we, we operate within our midfield, probably less so in recent games. It's, it's, it's not the most ideal to have control over the game. So you can see why it did become an issue, but yeah, I mean, he just didn't push on from that point. And I'm going to have a question for you, for you guys. I'm going to get stuck into, uh, I, I know we kind of don't like to, to talk about it ever since, ever since what happened in the summer and stuff. We're going to get stuck into a little bit of transfer stuff later on, but um, do, do you think for Ox, it's a case where January comes and you kind of look at what happened with Lingard last season. Obviously, two completely different players in the way they go about their game. But to think it's a situation where he just needs to go out, go on loan, so he can get a string of games together and kind of really get his confidence back. And not even the basics of football, but just kind of having that every week-to-week actions on the pitch so he can kind of re-embed that in his memory. No, no I think he just needs to go him. I can't lie to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cut still. It's cut. It's, no, it's never a thing going alone and coming back. I mean, you're going to come and do your team. Nah, just go somewhere else from. I can't lie. Just car losses and get another midfielder in. That's that's levels because this guy, he's, he, the skill set. It's I, I I don't want to get onto him too much because he's 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 done well. He's kept his head down. You know, he's been a, a good a good player for the well, I guess a good servant to the club. The last that like, four years, but nah, man, it's just a thing where. You're just not good enough. Like, like we just need another dimension in midfield, and you're not it. So just go somewhere where you can do your thing, like another Premier League club. I'm sure you can go to Southampton. I'm sure you can go somewhere like that, or even West Ham, and just and just and just find find your find your feet and just do your thing. But nah, Liverpool just needs to. It's, it's, it's done, man. Honestly, if Southampton can buy back Walcott, who was considered a Southampton legend, of course they can go back in for Ox, man. Just grab him, take him off our hands. If as you mentioned, the whole Lingard situation, we can address that slightly. I know this isn't a Mughal podcast, but yeah, we're referencing a player in it. Um, mm-hmm. Lingard went away to West Ham. He comes back into the Man United setup, and he's he's expecting, I believe, himself to be able to contribute more. I haven't seen Lingard play over twenty minutes this season in the Premier League, and if Ox goes out and comes back. He will possibly be in the same boat. 
I'm not expecting to see Ox get a boatload of minutes. I possibly think he is maybe a seventh choice midfielder at this moment in time. And Tyler Morton pushing on as he is could possibly take that role. Um, I might have the numbers off or the exact numbers off slightly, but yeah, Ox seems like our bottom tier midfielder at the moment. And he is good to bring on in games at times because he does offer some sort of energy. But Klopp mentioned something about body language this weekend, which was quite telling and quite damning on Ox because for someone that isn't playing a significant amount of time, he should be the one that is driving the team. And I don't think we've quite talked about Preston as a group, but he looks like the third best midfielder against Preston. Like Tyler Morton was far and above the best on the day for me. Then Jones was being Jones, typical, oh, you know what, I know I'm better than this Preston side, so I'm going to just mess around and like kind of coast through it. And Ox looked shambolic. Like, everything Ox was trying wasn't coming off. There were so many bits of skill that he would beat someone and then the final pass is just wrong. He, like, prods the pass a bit too hard. Or And there's simple things. Like, how can you do all the difficult things all the time? And then do the simple, well, not be able to do the simple things. It's ridiculous to me that he just needs to go, maybe Turkey, go Galatasaray, go have some shawarma, enjoy life, man. So I, I was going to say this question for kind of later on, but we're kind of getting into it now a bit. But um, obviously midfield, massively second half. It was just, it was quite shambolic um, due to the personnel. You know, that they, they play at the majority of the game after you know Nabi does go off injured, and we'll, we'll talk about him in, in, in a little while, but because that's a completely different topic in itself. But why do you think it is the midfield just couldn't function uh, as is? I mean, at, at this point, you know, shouldn't senior members of the squad, I'm not going to name any names, be more tactically and more importantly, positionally astute to be switched on and you know, help with our midfield facilitation? Yeah, um, I feel like in the second half, um, you put you put in um, the post-match interview with Klopp and he said that he went to a 4-4-2. So I'm, I'm expecting that it was just Curtis Jones and um, Henderson in the middle with Ox being playing wide. Um, yeah. I, I definitely feel like, especially with Henderson and his job of being the more defensive out of the two midfielders um, to cover, I definitely feel like he had a he done a very bad job in the second half. He, I feel like it's muscle memory for him to kind of like drift out wide to kind of help out defensively because when Gross came on, he had an absolute jolly up in the middle. Trossard had a jolly up in the middle. It was really bad. Like, um, Brighton just had so much of the ball, so much time, that intensity, that closing down that we're, that we kind of want from Liverpool and we kind of seen from Liverpool yeah. um, on a regular basis wasn't there. Um, because and Pascal Gross as well is really good when he's kind of got yeah. five yards of space in front of him. Um, very, te- very technical player. It's a shame. So, yeah. it's, it's a weird one because it's a shame he's about like 32 because he's about six years younger. But like, I don't know, Liverpool, he's very good. Very, very technical, like very tidy. And that's what and that's what Brighton are all about. Like They're, they're not a team that's going to lose the ball very easily. They might not um, score from all of their attacks. Um, this week, apparently, apparently they had the shooting boost because usually Brighton, and even then you saw in the game, even at Anfield, there was creating moments, creating chances. So it was, Mwepu, by the way, was panning us. Uh, Tariq Lamptey, when he came on, you just saw the difference um, with, with the way with the way they just kept the ball. 
So yeah, I'm, 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 I've definitely thought like, even though we had a great game against Man United and um, and the performance was excellent, that midfield didn't have to do a lot because Man United's midfield is literally non-existent as well. So Henderson playing the way he did, um, maybe kind of overshadowed how he's been this season in terms of he's had more performances like with the ones at, against Brighton than the ones more than the ones that he's had uh, against United. And this was another game where Henderson was kind of lost in his duties um, in that number six role. He's just not comfortable in it, in my opinion, to kind of play there for an extended period of time. So yeah, that, that midfield um, in the second half was basically our downfall. And then it was just resulted in them getting two goals. I think Henderson and um, yeah, me, I'm going to go even further. I think it was lazy from Henderson. I think being one of the most experienced members of the squad who has played in the number six several times, even though he might not be the most comfortable there, you have to take a step back. Like You can see that things are going awry. You're getting beat P&P-wise. The midfield of Brighton are coming at you. Trossard's picking up numbers picking up spaces in the false nine just behind you. I think with Henderson's football IQ as well, he should know that he should just take a step back and not continue to drive forward. But there was loads of times where I've seen Henderson be our furthest forward midfielder. And that's not what you want from a six. When I see Fabinho play there, that's not what I have ever seen Fabinho do. And that's elite level football. Like You shouldn't be not understanding your position. That's literally like me when I play fucking touchline on Sundays. When I play right back for touchline on Sundays, these don't know. If I get the ball and there's loads of space in front of me, I don't care what the defensive responsibilities are. I'm flying forward. And that's me at my Sunday level. But being at the level that Henderson is, that Ox is, that Curtis Jones are, they should already know these things that, you can't keep flying forwards. You're going to leave so many spaces. Myself, who isn't a professional football player, I know that I leave all those spaces. So sometimes I don't go forward. I understand that we might get exposed at the back and I'm not going to be able to track back so much. So I'm just going to wait a bit. I'm going to hold up for about five, ten minutes, give myself a bit of space, let things progress a little bit. So that's why I think it's lazy from him. I think he should have already... He should be able to make in-game adjustments himself. The only reason and I think, I think... Um, he was sorry. The only reason I think he was uh, lazy in game was because I kind of felt like the we kind of underestimated how good Brighton were going to step the level up in the second half. Because when we go two up at Anfield, let's be honest. Like even though we missed that, um, we missed a few chances in the first half, and we had an offside goal. Um, we still feel a bit confident um, going into the second half. Firmino had that missed chance. Was probably thinking, I oh, probably going to tuck one. Salah's definitely going to get one because he's finding form. So, I definitely feel like we went into that second half underestimating um, our defensive duties and we just wanted to be on the attack more. That's probably why we saw Henderson like bombing up more. He felt like, oh, you know what, um, Brian are not going to have a lot of the ball. They're not going to be able to attack us in dangerous areas. And if they do, we've got Van Dijk and we've got Konate. And by the way, Konate and Van Dijk did not have great games. Um, Van Dijk especially. Um, after Brentford, probably his worst game. Um, that I've seen him in, in the Liverpool show. I don't feel like he played very well, in my opinion. But yeah, we was very. We I feel like we we underestimated Brighton a lot, and we gave them too much time on the ball, too many chances. Henderson was not in position because he was trying to probably get another goal, and 
it just resulted in them getting two and us drawing that home. To be honest, yeah, uh, I, feel, I feel very uh, much. Sorry, carry on, Chris. The, yeah, I feel very much the Brighton game plan was, and it's something very similar that Atletico Madrid did, and you know we'll talk about Atletico Madrid a little bit later on. Um, they didn't directly attack the centre backs. I thought second half especially as well. They used the flanks really, really well. Um, and of course, you've got Trossard playing as the false nine, exploiting that space. And he's pushing over, he's dragging Canate out to the right a little bit, and he's causing a little bit of disruption from, from that end. So it was really, I mean, you got, you got to give Brighton massive kudos because their game plan and Brian, oh, um, yeah, because you know, they, Graham, they played Graham Potter they, especially was fantastic. They played in that second third a lot, they they they, they really kept the ball. Um, because they, they were even though they knew and Van Ack was gonna and Van Ack and Canate played the high line, they kept the ball in that second third a lot, and they kind of slowly progressed their way into the box instead of trying to. You know, directly, directly, um, you know, get a passing that's going to cut cut through because they know that Van Dijk and Konate's strengths are most likely going to be recovering. If you give them that ball, where they're going to kind of have to chase it, when it's going to be a def- uh, you, uh, an attack versus the defender, you know, they they knew they were going to win. So that second third, you know, because they felt like Brighton was keeping it a lot in midfield, and the fact that Abdul was so open made it so easy for them. So that slow progression into the into into our area to get to get a goal was. Yeah, man, I rate it, man. Like, Graham Potter is balling, man. He's balling with Brian. Absolutely balling. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Do you know what, yeah? Um, I'm just going to go back to the Van Dyke and Canate point. I think they didn't have great games either. But I give them a bit of a blight because... When they're not given protection, I remember saying this in a group, when they're not given the protection that they deserve against the Brighton side that actually pop the ball around, actually play football, you're going to get exposed a little bit. If you put my 11-year-old nephew in that space enough times, he'll be able to find the ball. If you just leave a certain level of player in and around that half space several, several times where they're playing with runners in the rounds, the centre-backs, one out of maybe, say, no, even one out of, because we're talking about elite-level footballers now, maybe 50% of the time they find that ball. And maybe out of those five times, they are offside once. And then four times they're in on goal. You can't really be doing that at the top level, which is why a lot of my blame goes on Henderson. I think Henderson should be marshalling that area a lot better. I think... He's the most senior member in the side. He should be making those in-game adjustments. A lot of that goes on Van Dijk as well. Being the most senior centre-back, he should be screaming at Henderson to get into the right positions. He should be screaming at Canate to not get sold 
because Konate was selling himself like a bag of chips. If uh, Henson was shouting at Konate a lot in terms of his positioning. Yeah, Konate was all over the shop. To be honest, even Robbo was all over the shop. Funny enough, yeah, I think the person that had the best defensive positional game was Trent. <laughs> and that is a mad thing to say that probably our less accompl- our least accomplished defender had the best game de- in the terms of defensive positioning. It's crazy to me. Yeah, Brighton were Brighton were really concentrating on the right because that's where most of their talent was. I think Murphy was playing on the right with three clumpy. So it's kind of like that's the game where Robertson was going to have a hard day. So Robertson kind of got the trench treatment where they kind of doubled up on him because they had most of their talent on the on our left hand side, and he was kind of getting panned because that that left hand side wasn't. Just wasn't looking good. Canati, um, Van Dijk as well wasn't looking good. Getting dragged out a lot. Yeah, man, it was just yeah, yeah, not 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 a nice game to watch. It was it was that, especially the second half. Not a, not a nice second half to watch. Speaking of Robbo, yeah, would you not think of his performances as of late? I can't so like he's been pissing me off still. Me a bit, man. He's now been pissing me off still, and the reason he's been pissing me off is because I feel like he could do with a rest and and. I feel like Shimmick has, has shown that he can take up the mental and play like five, six games need be, if need be. So I feel like Klopp, I definitely feel like because Robertson has been one of our hardest workers over the last four years, Klopp needs to really like give him some time on the bench and actually utilise his squad as, as we wanted him to. Um, because Robert, Robert is, he, yeah, this season has really annoyed me. And, and what's really annoying me is his persistence to actually carry on playing. And of course, it sounds weird because you would want your players to play. Like, of course, I'm not going to be mad at him for playing, but when it's, I'm not going to say it's to the detriment of the team because we haven't necessarily lost. But when you could, you know, recharge your batteries a bit and give us, uh, and give us much better output than you're giving us now, I feel like you should take that, take that chance. Yeah, to be honest, yeah, Robbo. If I'm remembering collect- correctly. Got injured on our last game of preseason. Was out for two weeks when he should have been out for like six weeks, and then bounced straight back into the team. And Tamiskas played the start of the season and looked really good at the start of the season. And I believe it was the Chelsea game where we were asking for, well, not asking for, but Tamiskas probably should have started based on form. Robo was coming back from injury and he slotted back in. And since then, Robo hasn't kicked on in the slightest. Like this isn't the Robo that I expect. He's not flying forward the way that he has of in the years past. He's a bit tentative on the ball. He's not as progressive with his passing. Um, we know Robbo's not really too much of an attacking threat aside from assists, but his attacking just seems completely off. And from what I've seen of Tamiskas in the beginning of the season and in the cup games, he does look capable. Like, Tamiskas actually has a right foot. And for a left footer, that's, a, that's saying a lot. How many left footers can you say dribble with their right feet, can whip in crosses with their right feet, can swim with their right foot, can make passes with their right foot? So I think he should be given a little bit of a run in the side just to ease the pressure on Robbo. And competition for spaces always does like wonders for a side. Would you give him uh, the game against West Ham Madrid? Mm, yes, I would. 
He's played yeah, for Olympic before. He has Champions League experience. Um, I think dependent on the centre backs you play. If you play Van Dijk on the left as the left side of centre back, you play him. If you play Gomez as the left side of centre back, you don't play him. I think you play him, man, because as as mad as this sounds, one right ankle, so I don't think we're gonna lose, and two. It's kind of a game where we don't need to win, if you get what I mean. Like, we don't need a win. We can kind of, you know, play Shimakasa. And Shimakasa is a competent enough defender to do, uh, to do a great job, in my opinion. Probably maybe even a surprise better job than Robbo on the day. And I feel like Robbo, in this type of game, is, is going to be very intense. And with what I believe is going on with him, fatigue, I feel like he could, he could sit this one out. Because Chimikasi is good enough to cover, and then have him back for have him a lot more fresh for West Ham, because West Ham always going to be some somewhere we're going to need him. So I would, I would, I would play Chimikas. Honestly, I would play him. Yeah, I'm not averse to playing him. Um, I did want to spin back on something in terms of Brighton. Into oh, sorry, in terms of the midfield versus Brighton, and this is something I've been saying for quite some time about tools in the toolbox. And right now, it feels like we have a load of Phillips head screwdrivers and no star drivers, no wrenches, nothing that can like open up a midfield. We have Ox, who, as I was saying to begin the pod, is an F1 driver in terms of the way he plays. We've got Jones, who is largely inexperienced and will grow into games, but he can't take a green by the scruff of his neck at the moment. We've got Henderson playing out of position who, yeah, he's not doing those no-look crosses anymore, but he's not going to be as defensively astute as Fabinho. He's not a destroyer and he's not going to be able to dictate a game in the way that a Fabinho can or a Thiago can. So right now it feels like we've got a big mismatch in midfield. So going up against the PMP midfield of Umbepu, Moda and Bissouma, Basuma started hooping, and I believe Basuma hasn't played that many games this season. But when you're going up against a disjointed midfield, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, um, yeah, it's just midfield was garbage, hot garbage, second half especially. Um, it just got completely overpowered and looked like Swiss cheese for most most of it. Um, before we kind of do move on, I just want to talk about. I'm not even going to bother wasting that much time talking about Brighton's first goal because and Wempu obviously did, doesn't mean it. It's a brilliant goal, nonetheless. Uh, second goal, though, it kind of kicks back to what we're talking about in terms of just looking like an absolute shambles. So it's it's a goal from back to front, really, from Brighton's point of view. It's, a, it's actually quite a beautiful goal when you do look at it. Um, back four is an absolute shambles for you know Everyone's out of position. You look at Robertson's uh, finishing position for it, too. He's about... He's deeper than Virgil, pause, which is absolutely insane to me. And again, it goes across that Atletico Madrid blueprint where it was kind of similar to their second goal, their second Griezmann goal, where they just absolutely slice through us in that transition from from the you know, from the back to the attackers. Talk to me about that, Julian, about, about that second goal. Do you think there's anything that we possibly could have done a little bit better? And do you see this being a little bit of an alarming trend over the next few games where we're coming up against teams with you know who, who are going to play quite well in terms of transitioning the ball. 
You know what? I'm just going to put it down to personnel, you know. Um, I definitely feel like missing Fabinho has made us defensively a, a lot more weaker. Um, I feel like we got away with um, this midfield of Henderson because at least Milner will put in a shift defensively with Henderson, Milner and Curtis Jones or Henderson, Milner and Navigator because we've been very competent because I feel like as much as we you know, have, may have our doubts, they're very competent players and they wouldn't make chances like that easy um, or more of a one-off. Um, but I feel like Brighton, especially were able to grow into the game and were able to figure out how to break us down because let's be honest, Henderson was on a walkabout. Jones is not really going to be on his, on that side trying to, cover, trying to cover in the midfield and Ox was being Ox. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's... I, I'm putting it down to personnel again because that 4-4-2 that we tried to put out in the second half just didn't work and it made it easier for especially if the midfield is already quite open, um, it made it easy for them to just literally slice through us. And I definitely feel like with the centre-backs we have and the way we play, with the way we play if, you're, if, we, if, if you can just get a few good passes together and you're competent enough not to try to rely on your pace and power, you could, you could get a goal. You could definitely just get a well-worked goal against us. So that's definitely something we may need to work on. But... Again, if Fabinho was there, if we had a more competent midfield, if he was playing three in the three in the middle, I I'm not gonna say I doubt the goal will happen, but we would have dealt with the situation a lot better. Yeah, no, I'm I'm inclined to agree with you, Mark. I'll kind of flip the question back on back on you as well. Um do you think there's anything we can do in terms of tweaking system wise, uh, to kind of ensure that you know, results and performances are at the top level. I mean, obviously, of course, we've been you know been winning games fairly fairly decently, but there are bad occasions where we go obviously go two 0 up, and then it vastly becomes two two in the space of about 15, 20 minutes. So, do you think there's anything they can do tactically, tactically to kind of stop this from happening, or do you think it's just a case of making sure we get personnel back in a timely manner, especially from the midfield setup more than anything? Um, I definitely think it's more of a personnel issue than a structural issue. Um, if you look back at the goal, Henderson doesn't anticipate danger. There is a possible area where you can foul in the lead up. And this is something that Man City are so good at. When you when they sniff danger, you foul. Like you take a yellow card, you stop the flow of play just to make sure that you can well, your team can reset and it makes it a lot easier for you. Um that could have happened and we know Fabinho is a mastermind at being able to do that he would have been able to sniff out the danger there and make the appropriate foul. Um, Oxlade-Chamberlain was not covering as he should be. Um, one thing I do like about the way we play with a midfield three is those two wide midfielders, if you want to call them wide midfielders, tend to drift back and give the fullbacks enough protection if they're under pressure. And Ox wasn't able to do that for... Trent on that side in the lead up to the goal. Um, Jones was jogging the whole way through, and that proper pissed me off. Like I love the boy Jones, but I went on my little rant this weekend in the chat because his performance this weekend frustrated me. Um, in terms of what we need to do moving forward, I think with possibly Fabinho and Thiago back tomorrow, well, today when the listeners are listening to it, I don't think there's, we don't need to hit panic stations just yet. 
like Fabinho slots back in into the six, Thiago slots onto the left, and then maybe even Henderson on the right. Um, you get a little bit more of a better weapon set. So you can have Thiago being the metronomic, Fab being the destroyer, and then play a more advanced midfielder instead of Henderson. You could go to Henderson for those games where we may struggle in terms of a West Ham where they're going to try and be really destructive and try to break us down. Um, especially with Antonio, there's going to be a lot of running to be done in that game. Um, so you could play that type of setup. Um, so with people coming back, I feel like we're better equipped to deal with these things. But it is quite worrying that there have been a few times where we've been leading the season and have let those leads slip quite easily. Um, namely Brentford, namely Atletico Madrid, and namely Brighton. I think you put City in that category as well, in terms of um, getting leads in the games and then seeing them kind of evaporate within a small time scale. But yeah, I think it's one of those things where you, you, just, you kind of grow to it. We'll, we'll win the season and, you know, there's going to be a time this season, there's going to be a time in the near future where we have to put the run together where you know we win 12 out of 15. And I think the team are more than capable of doing that. So it's just one for the one for the future to look at, really. Um, let's take a quick fast forward to January. Um, and I know it's something that we don't particularly like to talk about, um, <laughs> especially in in the group chat, as it is a conversation of much much weird debate over transfers. But you know, off the back of a few poor cameos from Ox, and again. To another injury to to Kaiser. I mean, good good lord, it's, it's it's rinse and repeat with this guy at this point. Gets into a groove, finds his rhythm, and then he's mysteriously out for you know an unannounced period of weeks. Uh, I probably I think we don't probably see him until after New Year, really. So that's a bit of a that's a bit of a bummer. Um, do you guys think Liverpool should look to make a midfield move for a midfielder in January? And if you've got any names to hand, um, obviously we'll there's the Realistic and then there's the optimistic. Um, yeah, go for, go go for the realistic because I think the realistic will be uh, <laughs> more palatable. Optimistically, or in fact, you know what? I would love to get Rafino. I would love to get Rafino. I would love to go in for Bellingham that has been rumored the past week. Realistically, I don't think we get anyone. I think Harvey Elliott's recovery is going a lot smoother than the club had planned for. I think they will want to hinder his progression in midfield. Um, I think they also think if they're not able to get names off the book, there's no need to buy anyone else because we've got more than enough personnel, um, injury-prone personnel, but more than enough personnel filling up wages in that area. So I don't think we get anyone at all, which is fucking annoying, but it is what it is. Julian? Yeah, I think it is, it is a bit of an annoying one. I kind of, kind of goes to the next point um, that I want to head on to. Is that... Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. sorry Mark, yeah, Mark, no, no, no problem. I'll, I'll come back to you for a second. And, and it's something that Mark, Mark, Mark said there as well. So, realistically, one would have to leave if you want to facilitate this because, you know, let's, let's think about it. We can't realistically, and I don't think anyone can, um, bar maybe Man City, carry nine midfielders, you know, with, re- with wages ranging from around about, you know, 40k a week to 180k a week. So, First and foremost, obviously, Julian, I'm I'm, kind, I'm keen to get your 
your thoughts on you know if you were bringing the one in and of course who who would you actually move on to to an end uh, this would be would it be you know who would just cut the cord with ox completely or would you kind of do something where you send curtis jones on loan which i think would be the less preferred option uh realistically uh i don't think liverpool are in the business of getting rid of um, mainstay players in january um i definitely feel like if anything um we'll be looking towards the summer to see people leave um in terms of midfield I think we're just going to stick out because I'm going to be honest, a midfield going into the season, if he was to ask me what uh, the areas that we needed to improve it, a midfield was literally at the bottom of my list. Um, maybe a DM would have been nice because of, as we can see now, Henderson isn't really doing the best at the, at the sixth role um, with Fabinho's absence. Um, apart by the one game where he had the whole midfield to himself at, at Old Trafford. Um, but yeah, midfield is definitely something that I've wanted to take a look at in terms of DM. Um, in terms of leaving, though, I don't see that happen. I don't see us having 10 midfielders on, on our wage books. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a bit unfortunate, to be honest, the way the season has gone with our midfielders. Um, in terms of um, even Harvey Elliott, jo, uh, Jones having um, um, hit, hit some bumps there. Thiago not even getting some time on the pitch. So... I've got empathise with Liverpool and their planning. This, in terms of, I've got empathise with the company men. I can't lie. Um, in terms of the midfield <laughs> situation, it's a rare it's, thing, there, folks. It's a yeah, rare thing. Yeah, man. The midfield situation hasn't been ideal. It's not something we could have we could have saw come because we've had a lot of injuries uh, to 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 big players. So yes, it's, it's a bit of a weird one. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. It, it, it'd be nice to potentially get someone in, but. I kind of don't see it myself, and I think we have to be the right circumstances if a player does does become available. Um, I do like the guy from Monaco. I can't pronounce his name properly, but I know his first name is Aurelian. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, I'm not even going to bother pronouncing I'm not going to do a disservice to him and myself by trying to pronounce his last name, but I will learn it for the next part, that's for sure. Uh, but now, nah, man, he looks like a proper, proper proper player uh, you can see why a lot of people including ourselves uh monitoring quite highly um but again yeah um if it was someone for the summer you know how i feel about ryan graven birch i think he'd be absolutely perfect um fits everything and uh, has a player profile age-wise as well so one to look out for potentially next summer as well but yeah it's a bit... i don't completely agree with julian there though in terms of us seeing not prioritizing a midfield purchase Maybe in terms of the club not prioritising a midfield purchase, but I think us as a group, we wanted to kind of replace Genie's minutes. I know personally I was saying I want someone that plays a six and an eight, 
And then I would want a hybrid eight slash winger in terms of Rafinha and Basuma being those two players that suit those profiles. Um, because naturally you can see that Fabinho was playing a lot of games in number six role and there was no one specialised to do that role when he was out. Um, naturally you don't want Henderson playing there for long periods of time, but because you also want to give the new signing a lot of minutes, you would want him to be able to play in one of those two wide midfield slots as well, which is why Nehaus was such a name that kind of appealed to me, being able to play both positions and play them to a high level. Um, and then you want someone that is going to give you goals and assists for midfield, which is why I went for Rufino. Rufino was on my picks for the summer. Um, unfortunately, I feel like the club isn't succession planning as they should be at this moment in time. And maybe behind the scenes they are, but visibly it looks like a shambles. Um, we still haven't got people in for when potentially Salah or Mane decide to move on or when Bobby moves on. We do have Yota there at the moment, but you want someone that is also able to do that nine as a pure nine. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what the club do over January and the summer. Hopefully they're able to pull their socks up and get stuff right. No, so just to interject on the midfield point though, and what I do feel like, I feel I feel like because of how the injuries have gone, people um, are bringing up the whole um, genies minutes need need them replacing. But if we're going to actually um, look at the squad for what we have it now, ideal best situation um, is that we will have what six seven mid six seven midfielders available um, yeah. for us to play. I definitely feel like Genie's minutes would have definitely got uh, covered by Jones, Harvey Elliott, Thiago, Keita, Milner, uh, uh, Henderson, if need be. Um, it's just that, again, I, I this is not the same as last season because luckily it's not any season-long injuries that we're seeing, apart from maybe Keita. Um, we don't know how he's going to be out, how long, how long he's going to be out for, but I definitely feel like there was a lot more potential for rotation if you know, a lot of our midfielders didn't get injured. So I'm not particularly mad at, you know, us not going for a grabbing virtual knee house this summer because, again, uh, having five, six, seven midfielders available, um, at, at best available to you, is something that you can kind of lean on, even though they're quite injury prone. But I, I do understand the frustration, but I do kind of get Liverpool side as well of, seeing the roster of midfielders and be like, okay, we can go into the season with this, but it just happens that injuries happen. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree on that point. Um, I think people really do need to stop bringing up Gino Wijnaldum. The guy doesn't play for Liverpool and he won't play for Liverpool again. So yeah, yeah, no so, yeah sorry. I'm actually, actually going to make like do a quick a quick uh, tangent on that because... It's I want to cut a promo. Annoying. Yeah, yeah, let me cut a promo, man, because <laughs> it's, getting, it's getting really, really pathetic how much we're bringing up Gino Wijnaldum, like, He's gone. Like, he came here, he won a couple of trophies, he came for a couple of years, great servant, he done his thing, but let it go, man. He's gone. He's gone to PSG. Like, every single time Henderson has a bad performance, Genie's getting bought up. Every um, every single time, you know, we're talking about contracts, oh, well, Genie didn't, Genie didn't get his contract. Like, Genie's minutes are got were, if, we, if we're talking about succession plans, like, for our, we're wanting our young players to actually break through into the team, 
Genie's minutes were going to be literally replaced by um, um, Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott. And you saw Klopp giving them the time at the start of the season. You saw literally Harvey Elliott playing against Chelsea, our title rivals at home in our biggest game of the season so far. So like, I'm playing well. Whole, I'm playing well. And also, this whole Genie needs to be replaced. Listen, I, I can't, our goals and assists from our midfield this season is absolutely shitting on anything we've done so far at any point um, this season over the years when Genie was here. Like, I'm ha- very happy. Yes, we have some injuries at the moment over the last two, three weeks where Abmistwood hasn't hasn't looked great. But even but even Naby Keita, like as much as I'm probably going to get onto him in this podcast, he stepped up as well. Like, I don't like this whole always finding the thing to moan about because you didn't like how things how things went with certain players that you like. Like Genie's gone. I don't understand the whole need to bring him up every single week when we haven't even lost yet, which is what's wild. Like he gets brought up every week. Like allow it. His his minutes were getting covered. It's just that injuries happen in it. Like people need to get over it and stop crying. Like he's gone. He's living life in PSG with his lovely family. I'm I'm playing with Messi, um, Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe. Living in Paris, going to the Louvre, eating the freshest croissants and baguettes. Drip pictures all over Paris, training in Paris. Like, get over it. He's gone in it. Completely agree. And I think what people need to remember that sounds very, very violent. And I think Peter's going to have a lot to say about that. No, it's not. The crazy <laughs> thing is, the crazy thing is, yeah, it's not even Peter. Like, Peter, we joke on Peter more than, um, like, we, we come in the group chat and be like, ah, oh, look at Genie. He's been, ah, oh, he's not been good. Like, we do that. We, we joke on him. Peter doesn't really care like that. Like, like he's gone. Like, he's gone in it. Like, I think most of Coppin are, are in agreement. Like, yeah, he's gone. Yes, we agree that, you know, if he wanted to get a contract, he should have got one because he's been a great servant to the club. But are we going to bring him up every single time our midfield doesn't have a good game or we get an injury and we're like, oh, we need someone to bring up minutes? No, because we're rational, level-headed fans. Like, Genie's gone, man. Like, I'm ha- and, and you know, it might sound violent, but I'm happy for him. Like, literally, that's for him. He got disrespected by the club from what I can sell. Um, the fact that they didn't, they didn't want to give him his contract, he, he's playing at an elite team with an elite with elite players closer to his family, earning more money. Like, I'm happy for him. Like, we just need to move on. It just looks like, and it's frustrating. On it might sound, I might sound frustrated, but it's frustrating to see every week like how much we have not moved on from midfielder that we used to complain about every week when he was here. So it's like. Get over it, man. Everyone just needs to get over it. It's, it's getting annoying, bro. No, I completely agree. I also think as well, you know, one of the people the fans were, you know, fans online as well were clamoring for someone to sign was was Saul. They were like, oh yeah, pay forty million for Saul. He's now at Chelsea on loan and he's riding the bench, man. So, riding the bench, heavy, bro. For every single midfielder they can find, bro. And whenever I've seen him play, he looks. It's a bit sticky. It's yeah, like, like Liverpool fans need to like. I can't believe I'm I'm the one that has to be saying this, but Liverpool fans <laughs> really need to like chill out. <laughs> like they really need to just watch the team, appreciate the team, and when it comes to January, complain. When it comes to the summer, complain. But during the season, like bringing up guys that have left, bringing up on um, how we shouldn't have signed anyone, how we should have signed anyone, or how we didn't sign anyone, or bringing up guys that got new contracts, or bringing up guys that didn't get a new contract, like. It's just so counterproductive and it's just going to ruin your experience of watching the team. Like, deep it, we haven't lost, like, a game 
we haven't lost. I get it. Like, even myself, I've even said that, you know, some of the draws are concerning because they are. Because at the end of the day, we're, we've seen, we've got 98 points and still not won the league before. Fine margins will be determining who wins the league this year. So, draws at home and draws to uh, teams like Brentford aren't ideal. But I'm not going to, like, it, it might annoy me at the time because obviously you want to win, but I'm not going to, like, dissect every single game that we didn't win um, but we definitely didn't lose that and talk about guys that aren't here anymore. Like it's it's annoying. Completely agree. Couldn't couldn't agree more. Um let's move on to a little bit of an FS Madrid preview before we kind of close the part in. You know, clock confirmed earlier on that thankfully we do have Fabinho and Thiago back for this game. Um obviously keeping on the theme of midfield, which seems to be the, the overarching if if the word of the day if there was a word of the day like Sesame Street, it is midfield. Um what would you go for, um, you know, for the midfield? What setup would you look for? Um, I'll go first. Um, I think I would start one of Fabinho and Thiago, ideally the one that's closer to full fitness, um, who at the moment I believe is Thiago from the sounds of things. Um, so maybe a Henderson, Thiago, Jones midfield. Um, give whoever that is that starts, if it is Thiago, sixty minutes. Bring on Fabinho. I'm not dying to win the Atletico Madrid game as much as I want to get things wrapped up. Um, it's about making do with what we currently have. So get everybody through the game without injuries get some fitness, get some running into the legs of the guys that need it and then see what happens. So, you know, I'm the complete opposite. I'm, I kind of want to go wrapped up and done. So you, you have a, a decent game against Porto where you can rotate if needs be. And then hopefully um, last game against AC Milan away, you're just a dead rubber tie. Um, and you can you know, feel free to you know, ex- experiment and, and do whatever in that game. But, yeah, I think just getting it wrapped up for me is, is fairly important because it just gives you a bit more flexibility and breathing space further down the line, really. Julian, bet yourself. Uh, yeah, man, I, I want to see, I want to see Fabinho back. I want to see, I want to see Thiago back. I want, I slightly want to see some rotation in, the, in this game, you know, because. As much as Athletic Madrid are the Liga champions and they are the best team in our group, I'm not too concerned about them at Anfield, and I might be very arrogant in this thinking. But well, they've got they've like... got no Griezmann, obviously, because he's suspended after mm-hmm. doing Hulk Hogan big boot antics. Uh, they've got no Thomas Lamar, no Marcus Llorente, and apparently Kondogbia is also a doubt too. So there's three key players. For, um, yeah, for but them. they still got Jao Felix. They still got Suarez. They still got. They're still um, very good team. Yeah, they're still they're still a very good team. So I'll pay them those respects. But uh, I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm just I just want this game to kind of be over and done with. Um, I I didn't watch the last game. Um, but I'm not too too concerned about this one. I might this might come back to bite me in the ass, but I feel like we're like in a comfy position. But I want to. I definitely want to see um Salah. Uh, I definitely want to see Salah, Jota and Mane start uh, this game and um, give Firmino a bit of a rest. Um, yep, maybe, 
maybe I would like to see Gomez in this game as well because I feel like it's a bit unfair how he hasn't got a game as part of the uh, top member of the so, Gomez so what would you go? So what would you both go centre-back pairing-wise, by the way? Just a quick, 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 uh, quick round, Robin. What would you go for? Because for me, I'd probably look to go maybe Matip Gomez. Yeah. I, I would say Matip Gomez as well. I think Van Dijk needs a rest. I, I definitely feel like this isn't the season where Van Dijk needs to play 38 games yeah. in the Premier League yeah. season. And and he didn't play him against AC Milan either. Yeah, yeah. so I feel like we can have a rip-a-dope game, you know, pure football, rock and roll football. I'm, my, heart, my, my heart's ready for it. I'm ready for a, like a slightly 2-2 or a slightly 3-2, you know. <laughs> and my heart can take it, man. I um, I, I, there was an interesting piece from Simon Hughes um, in the Athletic today, who, by all accounts, having had the best week <laughs> fortnight in terms of. Hey yo, sorry, wait, hold on, hold on. So, you, I, and I was actually preening this on Twitter while I've been on my hiatus here, but the LSC journals have been getting flogged like recently, like it's been so bad. Like it's only why, it's, why, it's only it's, it's only friend angry? of it's only friend of the pod, Paul Gorse, that's been getting stuff right at the moment. You see, you don't cap, man. You know, we, we don't we don't get guys that cap on it. But I've been seeing guys get flogged. What, what's going on? Like, why is everyone so upset? Well, I think it's more down to the fact that um, the Pierce had that um, Nabby article that came out after the yeah. first athletic commentary game. Mark, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah. And he was Clear universally, he was athletically, athletically, he was universally pammed for that uh, across the board. But then, weirdly enough, I guess he was proven right. The fact he's got off injured again, so. Um. <laughs> <laughs> a broken clock is right twice a day, isn't it? Let's call it. Whoa, no, 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 no. This is nah, nah. He's on time because anyone that <laughs> watching Naby Keita's career at Liverpool would have seen that this injury was coming, and that's why we're not even gonna get into a deep dive, get angry, get get into a whole calling him names because we knew it was coming, and we, at this point, we just don't care. It's that sad. It's honestly that sad. There should be a Venn diagram for, for Kaita that has like you know good performances, injuries, and then in the middle is just Kaita. It's just a perpetual <laughs> thing that interlink together. He came to drop a blastic at Old Trafford and he just dipped. And now and now he's gonna be out until at least the new year. <laughs> do you remember that um do, do you guys both remember that Simpsons episode? The the one where they introduced Poochie? And obviously they kill him off and he just goes, I have to go now. My planet needs me. And he just floats off screen. That's what I kind of see as Cater. He just comes yeah, in man. and bounces unexpectedly. So, yeah, it is what it is with that guy. I'm kind of... Well, I think we might just do a longer form piece of the international breaker uh, about the conundrum, the NAB cam. Um, is it time to switch it off for good in the upcoming uh, transfer windows? No, so, these, days, the these, days, the, these days the theme song is just very slow. Like it's just a slow, sad <laughs> version of of Nabcam. Like when Mariah does, he doesn't even do it with hope in his heart or even with glee anymore. He just does it like with pity, and it's kind of sad. Like, it's kind of sad. True, but Nab, you've done it all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, what are you guys thinking score wise for tomorrow? Then seven nil. <sighs> Love it. Love it. Yeah. I don't know, man. I'm expecting rotation, and for some reason, I think we see Origi. <laughs> I think it's going to be one 0 to us. Yeah, you're and Origi getting a goal. You're bugging if you think you're seeing Origi. Wait, don't bugging. Don't bet me on it again. You lose some money still. <laughs> you, if we see Origi, 
You're bugging. You're bugging. If you thought you've seen it, I'm not gonna, you I'm not gonna lie. There still. He might not lie. For, for the second half, could have done with 20 minutes of Divock up front. You know what? You're not wrong. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not it's wrong. weird to say, but it just felt like 20 minutes of Divock playing on centre back and just being a little bit of an outlet could have um, let do let Divock do Divock things. He would have paid dividends, but yeah, we obviously down the substitute with old Naby going off injured in the first half, so you kind of stuff for ideas and also the fact 20, that min- 20 minutes by the way that's not even he didn't even last half the half yeah 20 minutes it's not great but uh, we'll talk about that more more in length in the upcoming weeks uh gents thank you very much for joining me this week talk about all things lfc um if you want more more content this week of course we will have the athletic Madrid post-match podcast going live um probably about half an hour after the game that's how quick we are I'd say quick we are with these things right now. We're you know hot off the press with them. Uh, we will of course have the weekend preview show where we preview the weekend's game alongside Liverpool's fixture, and we will also have the West Ham post match as well. And of course, be on the lookout for a whole host of exciting content dropping on the Patreon page uh, exclusively for Patreon members. If you are not a Patreon member at the moment, not too sure what you're doing. Head, but I know what you should be doing. You should be heading over to www.patreon.com forward slash copy of and subscribing from just £3 a month today. Um, did I also mention that we'll be having some exclusive competitions coming to the Patreon page soon, uh, much like we had on the Twitter and Instagram page. I did not, so that's also another incentive to go over to the Patreon page as well. Been a weird week for the Reds. You come off the high where, you know, I was dressed as Silky Johnson, basking in the United <laughs> Tears, to talking about a 2 2 draw to Brighton in a title race, so... Yeah, this is this is honestly times. this is honestly like coming back from holiday, like you know when you're on holiday and everything, <laughs> the sun is shining, drinks are flowing, you're just happy, and then you get off a of Heathrow and you, just yeah, you just down. Go, yeah, you get off a of Heathrow and then the, 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 it's pissing down. You're like, yep, I'm back, and this yep. is exactly how this episode feels. <laughs> <laughs> I could only eat the bread on the in-flight meal. It was shit, oh, man. Um, I was hosting, having the time of my life with shades on, and now we're back talking about <laughs> Navigator getting injured, bro. What the fuck oh, is this? Boy. <laughs> Boy, we, were en- we were enjoying, man. We were we were living it up too much, too much. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you know, we've, we've got much more of those times to come as well. You know, as it is a long season, and you know, hopefully there's going to be some silverware, big silverware at the end of it for the Reds too. So, from myself, Chris, Julian, and Mark, thank you for tuning to this week's episode of Copper and Fracas, and we will see you next week. Until then, take care. Network.